Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. During the tribulation, now you know that if you've been here around Calvary, the church has already been raptured up. And God's judgment has come down during the tribulation. Understand, and this is very important, maybe you want to write this down. Pentecost is not, now listen closely, is not the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Spirit of God coming down. The people are being speaking in tongues and all of these signs and wonders here. This is not, not the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. Pentecost is the beginning. Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it takes us through the church age, through the rapture of the church, and through the tribulation into the second coming and the millennial reign of Christ. All of this period is what Joel calls is the filling of the Spirit, is the outpouring of the Spirit. It's a period of time, not just an event. Thus, we are living in this time of Pentecost, where we are filled with the Spirit of God. That's why when every person calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved and they shall be filled. Because we're talking about a period of time. Now between, listen, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the millennial kingdom is a period known as whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. From the day the Spirit came down until the thousand year reign of Christ begins, or ends, actually, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why Joel and Peter here quoting talks about the signs in the earth beneath and the blood and the fire and the vapor and the smoke and the sun being turned to blood. Those are all signs of or or events that happen during the tribulation. Very important to note that. We're talking about that, that, that in our text here, this is not the fulfillment of Pentecost. It's actually the beginning of Pentecost. That's what Peter said all of this meant. Point number two, if you're still with me, why it happened. Look at verse 22 through 36. We're going to read quite a bit of text here in verse 22 through 36. Men of Israel, Peter says, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands 
and crucified him, and you've put him to death, whom God raised up in verse 24, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by death. For David says in verse 25 concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, in 20, verse 29, let me speak freely to you of the patriot, patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, did you know David was a prophet? Look at that, not only a king, but he's also a prophet. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he will raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, David, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says of himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, in verse 36, let all those, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. I get the impression Peter's like, you did it. You crucified both Lord and Christ. Now stop right there. Didn't I tell you, isn't it amazing to hear Peter preaching? Remember, ignorant, unlearned, uneducated. And he's just quoting scripture and just sharing the word. And going over the history of Israel and all that has happened. Very familiar with David. Very familiar with scripture. I find that to be amazing. Now we don't know, keep in mind, we don't know how many thousands of people were gathered to hear this sermon. But we do want to notice that Peter begins in his sermon, Peter begins to lead them on a blood-stained path to Calvary. Did you notice Peter's message is filled with Jesus. I love that. Now listen, if you're a Bible student, we're not going to take every one of these verses and, and deal with them as we normally do, but just kind of let me give you kind of a high-level view of what we just read. If you're a Bible student, Peter lays down six doctrines of Christology. Six. We'll notice, first of all, in verse 22, he talks about the incarnation Jesus of Nazareth, in verse 22, a man attested by God. The incarnation, meaning God became flesh. And then we'll notice authentication in verse 22 again. Jesus was verified with miracles, signs, and wonders. Authentication. And then in verse 23, we'll talk about, you'll see the crucifixion in verse 23. You have taken him and you've nailed him to the cross. And then in verse 24, verse 31, and verse 32, Peter talks about the resurrection. 
God raised Jesus. Verse 24, 31, and 32, the resurrection. And then the ascension. Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God. We'll find that in verse 33. And then finally, glorification. He is both Lord and Christ in verse 36. The incarnation, six doctrines, important teachings. You alter these teachings, you alter the truth of the gospel. You alter these teachings, you alter salvation to mankind. These are doctrines. These are not negotiable. You cannot change these. The Bible is very, very clear about these. Six doctrines of Christology. Incarnation, authentication, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and glorification. Very important. Now look at verse 23 again in your Bibles. I want to bring your attention to just a few of these verses. Look at verse 23 in your Bibles. This verse, in verse 23, if you're there, say amen. Notice him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You've taken by lawless hands. You have taken by lawless hands. And you've crucified and put to death. This verse is very, very troubling. Give me your attention. This verse is very, very troubling for some people. Why? Because this verse teaches us the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Notice Peter says it was God's predetermined foreknowledge that kills Jesus, that killed Jesus. And then he says, you crucified him. So we see the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And people have trouble with this verse. They say, did God kill Jesus? Or did man kill Jesus? Was it human or was it divine? Listen, it was both. It was both. There's so much in the Bible that our little pea brains can't handle, can't understand, and can't figure out. I cannot figure out, listen, people, I've heard sermons on it, and, and I think anything short of you know, talk about the responsibility of man, the sovereignty of God, anything short of, listen, I don't understand the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man working simultaneously at the same time. Anything short of that is, is foolishness. Get over it. There are certain things that we are not going to understand about God. Someone once said, if God were small enough for me to figure out he wouldn't be big enough to worship. Isn't that true? There's certain things that we will never understand about the scriptures. All I know is God's word is right. All I know is God is sovereign. And at the same time, man is responsible. So Peter said everything was according to plan, but you crucified him and put him to death. And then notice in verse 24, again in your Bibles, look at it whom God raised up from the dead. Now, that's very, very interesting because the Bible is clear. God raised Jesus from the dead. Romans chapter 8 tells us the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. And then John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus said, No man takes my life, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, Jesus said, I will raise up again. So in the Bible says that God the Father raised Jesus, God the Holy Spirit raised Jesus, and Jesus raised himself. 
talk about things you can't figure out. I just want to bring that up to clear things up. That's all. I'm just trying to clear it up. Well, there's many things that we don't, we don't understand. You know, people are always trying to accuse someone of crucifying Jesus. You know, the question is, you know, people are like, you know, well, who crucified Jesus? Was it the Jews? Was, who's guilty? Was it the priests? Was it Judas Iscariot? Was it the Romans? Was it Pilate? Who killed Jesus? It's almost like the question, you know, who shot J.R.? Who killed Jesus? Who shot J.R.? You know, honestly, the truth is, every single person in this room and every single person throughout all time and eternity killed Jesus. Why? Because our sin, sin put Jesus on the cross. Love held him there. Sin put him there. And because of the sin, for all men, for all time, for all eternity, put Jesus on the cross, that makes us all responsible. Who killed Jesus? We did. We all did. You know, it makes me think of that old Negro spiritual. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? You know that song? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, sometimes it causes me, here's my favorite part, to tremble. <laughs> Say it. Tremble. Say it again. Tremble. You got to get the beat. Yeah, were you there when they crucified? Yeah, you were. Your sin. My sin crucified the Lord. John Stott said, before we can see the cross as something done for us, we must see it as something done by us. And that's very true. Now, let me give you just again a high-level view uh, and a summary, if you will, of verses 22 through 36. Here, here's the summary. Peter gives them three proofs that Jesus is the Messiah and the Lord. Number one, he says, he works miracles because of his works and because of his miracles he's the messiah he's the lord secondly because of the resurrection and then thirdly because of the outpouring of the holy spirit peter is using three things to prove that jesus is the messiah and that they should make him their lord number one he works miracles don't you remember jesus was with nicodemus and nicodemus said jesus we saw your works and we know that you are God. John 14, 11, Jesus said, believe me for the works that I do. So Jesus' works and miracles testified to who he was. Number two, the resurrection of Jesus. Peter is using, now you want to notice in verse 25, Peter is quoting from Psalm 16. He's using Psalm 16 to show the death and the burial and the resurrection was all a part of God's plan from the beginning and that God was going to raise Jesus up. Peter says, look, guys, here's David's tomb. It was a tourist attraction then, and by the way, it's still a tourist attraction today. Peter says David died, and he was buried. And so obviously David wrote Psalm 16. He wasn't speaking of himself. David was a prophet prophesying that God was going to raise Jesus, and his soul wasn't going to be left in hell, and his flesh didn't see corruption. And then I want you to notice in verse 33, Peter said all that to get to verse 33. Did you see that? To answer the tongues phenomenon. Jesus ascended and has poured out the Holy Spirit. And notice in verse 33, this 
which you now see and hear. All of what Peter had to say up to this point was to bring you to verse 33 to tell them that Jesus, what you see is the fact the Holy Spirit has come down, Jesus has poured out his Holy Spirit, and this is what this is all about. This is what this phenomenon of tongues is all about. This is what you now see. And then finally, notice in our last point, what to do in verse 37 through 41. What to do. Now in verse 37, when they heard this, they were, note this saints, cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were what, saints? Baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them or added to the church. Now, stop right there. By this time, Peter finished speaking. It cut their hearts. Their hearts were cut. This message shocked them. It shocked them to the core. And here we see, you want to note this, we see the first example of what Jesus said would happen. Don't you remember in John chapter 16, verse 8 through 11, when Jesus said this, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Notice in our text, Jesus promised conviction would accompany the message. And here we see the first mention of that. Here it is. They were cut to the heart and they believed and they asked the question, what shall we do? Should we pray more? Should we give more? Should we work more? And Peter said, no, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. This word repent means to change your mind. It means to go in another direction. It means to make a U-turn. You're going that way, now go this way. Peter is telling them to repent. He says, you once thought this about Jesus. Now you need to think differently. You once thought he was dangerous and a blasphemer and a heretic. Now repent and change your mind about who Jesus is. Don't you know every single one of us, if you're a Christian this morning, that's exactly what happened to you? You have to change your mind. You got to change your mind. You know, some people in the world, to them, Jesus is a curse word. Can't stand it when I hear that. People curse and use the name of Jesus. I don't know why they don't do that with Buddha. I don't know why they don't stub their foot and go, oh, Hare Krishna. I mean, wh why don't they do that? Oh, oh, Muhammad, oh, oh, Muhammad. No, Jesus. To them, Jesus is a curse word. You need to change your mind. Some people, Jesus is just another revolutionary, political revolutionary. For some people, Jesus is a good teacher. He's cool. Jesus is all right. No, the Bible says that Jesus 
is our Savior. Amen, saints? That Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is your God. Jesus is your King. And Peter says, repent, change your mind, change your thoughts about who Jesus is. And then notice he says also, very important, saints, for you to look at this. Be baptized. Did you see that? Repent in verse 38 and let every one of you be what? Baptized. Now, this verse again causes people a lot of problems because some people use this verse and they say you need to repent. Now, watch this. You need to repent and be baptized in order to be saved. And some people teach and some churches teach that if you are not baptized, then you're not really completely all the way saved. That's why if you, get baptized, if you get saved on Sunday morning, they encourage you to come back on Sunday night and get baptized in the church baptismal. Because in their minds, according to the scriptures, they say, and they use this verse, you need to repent and be baptized. Listen, here's the equation. You need to write this down. Grace plus anything equals works. I'll say that again in case y'all didn't get it. Grace plus anything equals what, saints? Don't forget it. And grace plus zero equals salvation. You see? Don't add anything to it. Repent and be baptized. That's what Peter says. The Bible does not teach, listen, that baptism saves anyone. Baptism does not save. I'm going to give it to you very quickly because now I'm out of time. But listen at this very quick, because you need to understand this. The Greek word here, notice Peter says, be baptized, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Be baptized, notice, for the remission of sins. In the Greek language, the word for is the Greek word ice, E-I-S, ice. And the word ice means for, in order that, or because of, or on account of. For example, if I say the soldier is decorated for bravery, is the soldier decorated in order that he can become brave? No, he's decorated because he is brave for bravery. If I say the child was rewarded for good grades, is he rewarded so that he would get good grades? Well, some of y'all bribe your kids that way, but, but generally, no. You understand? He's rewarded. Why? Because he has good grades. So to be baptized for the remission of sin isn't in order that your sins will be forgiven, but because your sins are forgiven. You've got to understand something. They didn't know what an altar call was in the New Testament. In the church, they didn't have the altar call. Pastor Roddy Huckle, we don't have altar calls. Well, I'm not against them, but let's understand something here. We can't say altar calls is this is that because altar calls are not this is that. They didn't have altar calls. What they did was they were baptized. If you became a Christian and you truly repented, instead of coming down the aisle, they would go and get baptized as an outward sign of an inward reality. So baptism does not save. Clearly, the Bible teaches that. Peter is just simply saying, take a public stand because your sins are forgiven. Stand up and be baptized. Stand up. Notice, be baptized in the name of Jesus. Again, problem. 
People, oh, well, you know what? We need to pass Roddy. I've had this happen to me. I told you. Pastor Roddy, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name only. Because Acts chapter 2 says, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name only. I, well, no problem. I ain't got no problem with that. You know, I told you guys. I ain't got no problem with that. They come out in the water. I, while they're standing up, I'm praying with them. And I'm just about to take them down. I say, I baptize you in Jesus' name. And then I put them in the water and say, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And bring them back up. <laughs> Pastor Roddy, thank you so much for baptizing me in Jesus' name only. No problem. Be blessed. You understand. You see, all of these things, Peter's just simply saying, look, be baptized. Is baptism an option? No, it isn't an option. It's a mandate. It's in Scripture. But let's understand that baptism doesn't save. And that's why there's a lot of people who think they're Christians walking around the earth today because they got baptized when they're not. Because they got baptized, but they didn't repent. They got baptized, but they didn't repent. So listen, if you get baptized and you don't repent, then you just got wet. (laughs) So the promise, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. You know the afar off? That's us. That's us. Calvary Chapel, we're afar off. And as many as the Lord will call. And they gladly received his word. They were baptized and given the gifts of the Spirit And the church grew tremendously. 3,000 people in one day gave their lives to Christ. My question to you, do you know him? Have you repented? I'm not asking you, have you been baptized? I'm not asking you, have you joined the church? Have you repented of your sins? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.